the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. And we have an action-packed Sunday edition of The Dish here on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo about to be joined by Clubhouse Conversation insider Jake Lutz here in about 30 seconds. And we're going to discuss a lot of things in this episode of The Dish. We'll go through this thrilling Royals victory. We'll preview the entire road trip with a special emphasis in the next three up in the Twin Cities. We'll talk about Salvador Perez and his contract situation. Ned Yost, Omar Infante, and lots more here on Clubhouse Conversation. But let's start by welcoming in our insider, Jake Lutz. How are you doing on this Sunday afternoon? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? Well, things are good as the Royals pick up a win, man. I was getting a little nervous there. I don't know about you for a while, but our uh, our player of the game came through in the clutch, Salvador Perez, with his home run there in the eighth inning. And Jake, my first question for you, the pitcher Kella, why in the world with a count of one and two did he throw Salvador Perez a hittable fastball there? I don't know why any pitcher would ever throw him a fastball on a one-two count, let alone really any count. <laughs> one and two, you got a couple chances there to bury one in the dirt, and he's more than likely, as we've seen, he's probably going to chase one of them. But yeah, to give him a fastball low and in right there, just and you know that's that's his hot zone, and right. he, he didn't miss that one, and it was good. We, it was a huge win, I think, for the Royals today. Yeah, and I mean, if not if not a breaking ball down, at least change the eye level, go way up with the fastball. But anything hittable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a horrible mistake. I just don't think I'm, I'm with you, Jake. I don't know why you would throw that pitch right there, but I'm glad that he did. Probably should be fined by Kangaroo Court there, I would think, <laughs> in, the, in the Rangers clubhouse. But, but, uh, but yeah, Salvi had the big hit today, and, and the Royals did the first couple of innings. We saw them play small ball effectively, pushing across runs with a couple of sack flies. Uh, although, Jake, if we want to you know, not be overly optimistic. If we want to be realistic here, there were two other stories today offensively. The Royals did blow a golden opportunity there in the fourth inning with a leadoff double from Rios and then, you know, infield pop-ups to second base uh, to Hanser Alberto by both Salvi and Dyson and then a strikeout and a a pretty bad at-bat by Omar Infante that inning. And then, of course, they had a couple other chances, including the one that that Morales absolutely stung there in the seventh inning to Shinsu Chu. So overall, I mean, only one walk as well in this one, Jake. Where are we at with the offensive approach? Do you feel like it's cured at all today? Do you feel any better today? I mean, I, I guess you could say it improved a little bit. I mean, you, the scoreboard at least shows that getting four across today is nice. Um, but still, though, it's, uh, we saw a lot of the same, though, again today. You know, they're not – they're still just – everyone seems to be a little anxious at the play, trying to do too much, trying to swing it. Taking that kind of approach where they're, you know, they're acting like they're down in the count almost, you know, at the beginning of the, yeah, they're just kind of swinging at everything that's basically in the zone, and they need to just sit back and relax a little bit more and wait for their pitches because I think they're going to start working more walks if they see more pitches, obviously, and I think they're going to start getting a lot better pitches to hit as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that totally for sure. And, and uh, you know, we heard Salvi after the game say, you know, the first pitch there, I've never seen that pitcher, and, and I was looking for the fastball. And, you know, it was a breaking ball like we talked about buried in front of the plate. I mean, that, that says all you need to know, right? Just, just because you're looking for it doesn't mean you have to swing at it, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, a lot of guys are going up there guessing their situations. You know, they're just they're guessing and making up their mind almost it seems at least that they're making up their mind they're going to swing at this pitch it's going to be a fastball and then when they get the breaking ball they look a little bit foolish up there but yeah i think the guys need to be just you know if they're if they start to get more patient to play i think we're going to see a lot more days like today where we're scoring three or four maybe even more runs than that 
Agree. Now, uh, the other story today, and we got to give some props, obviously, is to Jeremy Guthrie, a guy who, you know, by this stature in his career, by this point in the season, I think both you and I, Jake, are looking for six innings of two or three run ball out of him, realistically, as, you know, acceptable and good outings. And he gave the Royals beyond that today. I mean, six and a third uh, on a day meant for headers out there, really. Two runs on just three hits. He did strike out five. So nice seeing Jay Guts miss some bats there in his six and a third with a couple of walks. Jake, it's pretty remarkable to me that. Even giving up the 11 runs in one inning as ERA is still, I mean, I, I hate to say only 5.82 because that's still pretty elevated, obviously. But, I mean, think about that for a second. There's, there was 11 runs basically just thrown in there without him getting more than three outs, and it's still, you know, hovering down towards the mid-five. So, I mean, Jeremy Guthrie, outside of that outing, Jake, has been really good five of his last six starts out there. Yeah, honestly, other than the, the start against the Yankees, he's been last couple of years, you know, where he's going to give you innings, and, uh, you know, another, yeah, two outings in a row, he's been fantastic. And honestly, he's, he pitched today better than even than his stat line shows. You know, Herrera, uh, you know, both runs obviously charged to Guthrie, but both were off of Herrera there uh, when he came in. So, yeah, I think Guthrie's been, you know, he's doing exactly what he needs to do for this team. I mean, he had the one bad outing, and he was able to quickly put that behind him and come out and get two good outings in a row. And I think, you know, he's he's what we – He's doing what we need him to do right now, and it's really helped. He's really helping out the bullpen, and honestly, he's been one of the bright spots in our rotation the last couple of weeks. Yeah, been really good outside of that one start against the Yankees. So, Jake, that takes us to, I mean, the, a, a disappointing homestand, obviously. The Royals just get a couple of wins in this homestand. You know, they had a disappointing road trip before that. But that's kind of, you got to bury the hatch on that. It's, it's part of the ebbs and flows of a baseball season. We know that's going to happen from time to time. Uh, you know, the Royals did at least salvage this third game. You know, coming in, we didn't want that, but it was important they got the win today. I didn't, I didn't honestly think they would. I thought there was a decent chance they would get swept today. So, for me, it's nice they came out and got this W. But, Jake, I want to talk about this Minnesota Twin series and, and this road trip. Um, so let's start with an overall. Well, we'll start with the Twins, I guess. Actually, the Royals are thirty-one and twenty-three. The Twins thirty-three and twenty-three after a nice two-nothing victory today over the Brewers, salvaging the final game of that three-game series themselves. Uh, Jake, the, the Royals on this trip and starting off the series are kind of going into a buzzsaw. The Twins are twenty and nine. That's a league leading at home. 20-9, and nine. only the Cardinals, who the Royals face next on this road trip. The Cardinals have a better home record in the NL, as do the Dodgers. So the Royals will see two of those three on this eight-game road trip, where obviously you know five and three is the ultimate goal, but four and four is the realistic goal. Now, let's go through the Twins here real quick and kind of get your thoughts here on this series. We've got Jason Vargas and, and Phil Hughes coming up in game one tomorrow. Uh, identical nearly in the ERA. 4-7-9 for Vargas, 4-9-6. For Hughes, I mean, Hughes is coming off his worst outing of the year. Did give up five against Boston and four and a third. Um, the first time he's actually lost a game since April 24th. His first time we've seen him this year. Last year, he had a 4.07 against the Royals in four starts. And then Vargas has been roughed up bad by the Twins this year. He's hitting them twice. Uh, five runs and five and two thirds. Uh, and, and then also the other game was four earned with 10 hits in three innings. So, you know, eight and two-thirds for Vargas with a 9-1-1 ERA. Your thoughts on game one here coming up tomorrow? Well, you know, it's going to be tough. You would hope that you would, you'd like to think that Vargas is due, right, <laughs> against Minnesota. Right. Um, yeah. And I remember both of those games this year. And uh, you got a lot of right-handed bats in that lineup that are tough. And, you know, the Twins play well to their parks. So they got Trevor Kluth and Brian Dozier is having a huge year. The couple guys who they use their park well. There's um, a lot of guys with a lot of pops. So Vargas is going to have to keep the ball down. 
Um, if he can avoid the long ball, I think he could have a good outing. Um, but really, I, I kind of I agree. Even with their even our ERA is him and Hughes. I think it's kind of a toss up, honestly. Yeah, both teams. The Twins are five and five. Their last ten. The Royals, of course, three and seven. So neither, you know, both teams have been very hot throughout the year. The Twins most recently, but both teams have cooled off a tiny bit. Uh, you know, in, in the case of the Twins, at least five and five over the last ten. You mentioned a couple of the bats there. A guy like Torrey Hunter never seems to age. Somehow he keeps putting up numbers to go <laughs> along with those guys. And and we talked before the year about some of the scary things they have coming later in the year. So this Twins series will be big. The second game is Chris Young and Trevor May. Young a two five six, May a four four five. Now how about Trevor? May? his last outing seven scoreless innings the best outing of his career against the Red Sox but the Royals got him really good back on April 13th five runs in five and a third on eight hits he faced the Royals one time last year they got him for three runs in four and two-thirds so they've had pretty good success against May and and Chris Young of course Jake coming off his by far worst start of the season five innings six runs against Cleveland uh, last week, and then he has faced Minnesota twice this year out of the pen. Five combined innings, two runs for Chris Young against them on two hits. No starts yet against Minnesota. What, what are your thoughts on the uh, you know Tuesday matchup of Chris Young and Trevor May? Again, it'll be another good matchup, I think. I'll, I'm interested to see how Chris Young does starting the game against Minnesota. And um, also, yeah, Trevor May, he's, he's a guy who we have had some success against, but he is getting, I think, he's a young pitcher who's getting a lot better each and every start. He's coming off his best start of his career probably and uh yeah it's gonna both of those games i think you could both say they're both gonna be kind of toss up there i think it'll be honestly a pretty good series yeah, I do like the Royals slam dunk fashion in Game 3. I'm kind of with you. You kind of figure both of the first two are toss-ups. You hopefully at least split those. And, Jake, the third game, you've got Tommy Malone making his, well, second straight start. He was called back up. He was actually spent some time down in AAA for Rochester. Malone did start the year up with the Twins. The Royals saw him twice. But, yeah, back in the rotation after they put Ricky Nolasco on the shelf. Malone just called up and against Boston was pretty lucky. Five innings. Nine hits, but just two runs allowed in his last start against Boston. The Royals have gotten him for three runs and five and a third back on 416 and then 421 at the K. They got him for four runs and five and two thirds. So a guy that back in his A's days, Jake, used to give the Royals fits, but it's kind of been humans that's coming over to the Twins. And then you've got Edinson Volquez going for the Royals, who, you know, has, has fallen apart really in the sixth inning of both of his last two starts. Really had gems going at Wrigley Field where he struck out nine and but gave up that 3-0 home run to Starling Castro you know, to make it three runs instead of one. And then last time out uh, you know, against Texas on Friday night, had a gem going and gave up three there in that six. So uh, Jake, this year against the Twins, he's allowed three runs in seven and two-thirds and one run in seven. So he's been good against the Twins. Uh, do you agree that's a pretty good-looking uh, matchup for the Royals on Wednesday? Yes, I do like that match. I mean, we we've been even last year. I remember we hit Tommy Malone pretty Tommy Malone pretty well when we faced when he was uh, with the Twins in Minnesota. I remember us rocking him pretty good one outing, and he's he's the type of guy who plays well into us because he throws a lot of strikes, and we have guys who love to swing. <laughs> so right now, we have a lot of anxious hitters, and yeah, I think that's a game where we can definitely score some runs. And I I like Edison Volk as a you know finish an outing here and have a really solid maybe give us six or seven innings of two run ball. I like, it. I, I like the Royals in that one. So for the series, then, what would you say for the series? Are you, are you calling for two out of three? Because, I mean, I'll, I'll say two out of three, but I have a weird feeling the Royals are going to sweep this series. I think we're going to get two out of three. I think, you know, I think we're going to win one of the next two. I'm not sure which one. But I, I do like us. I, I would favor us in the game with uh, Volquez and Malone. Yeah, and I think it's a series that we need to get to here. 
yeah, you, you, you need to start winning some series again. Get back and get your footing underneath you. Get out of there in a league or, or a division leading tie with the Twins at least if you can take two out of three. And then you look at the rest of the road trip, Jake. But let's talk about the back end of it. The Milwaukee Brewers for two games. We don't know the matchups yet for that. It's too far out. But you would got you got to think the Royals – with those four games against the Brewers, you need to get three of them, right? Because they have the two there in Milwaukee and two in here in KC. I think so, yeah. That, against When you get a team like that, who, you know, I think the Royals and the Milwaukee Brewers, that's the team they can take advantage of, and they need to get three out of four against a team like that, definitely. And then, of course, you've one factor to remember is the Brewers have taken two out of three from from uh, you know from the Twins, and then beat the Tigers in the series as well. So they've been they've been doing good against AL Central. Maybe they'll do third times a charm for a loss, right? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I do appreciate them though helping us out a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Now we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, finish off with the road, you know, previewing the road trip. Of course, those three games in St. Louis, Jake. You know, again, we will go through the the pitching matchups later in the week. But on paper, do you think the Royals are going to lose two out of three? Do you think they have a chance to to take this series? You know, what are your thoughts? You know, just thinking about it. It's going to be a very good series. The Cardinals are, they're you know they're not a team that scares you because they don't score a lot of runs. They're, they're struggle to score, but they don't give up any runs either. So, you know, I think it's going to be three very tight. We could see three low-scoring games in a row, honestly. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And it's another series where, I, yeah, I think it's going to be a very tight series. I think it's probably going to be going – they'll probably go into that Sunday game, you know, with the series on the line right there. I think it's one the Royals could take two out of three of them if, if they can cross some runs. But, you know – well, you've got uh, Ventura, Guthrie, and Vargas lined up most likely in that series. The good news is, Jake, a couple of those pitchers, you know, notably Vargas, can hit pretty pretty well. So the, <laughs> the slight edge of it. Now, <laughs> that is true. Ventura might be the worst of the five starters for the Royals, but at least the other two, hitting-wise, uh, can get the job done. All right, Jake, well, let's go through here uh, one of our signatures that we do with you here when you join us here on Clubhouse Conversation, and that is the true or false five-pack. I've got uh, a couple questions to start out with about Salvador Perez. Let's kind of backtrack uh, on the off chance. I'm assuming people listening to this you know, probably know what's going on with Sally, but of course he mentioned uh, that to Jeff Passon of Yahoo Sports, wouldn't comment after that, wouldn't talk to the KC Star about it, which is probably a good thing. I'm sure the Royals probably got to him and said, let's wait till after the season, Salvi. Let's not do this for the media. But, of course, you know, is has a ridiculously low contract and was basically saying he didn't know exactly at the time what he was signing. He knew it would give him freedom for life financially and take care of his family, Jake. And But we saw him fire his agent last year. So we knew even a year ago he wasn't real thrilled with that. And I'm sure the frustration is building a bit. I'm sure we both probably agree maybe right now is not the best time to be talking about it in the middle of the season and when you're struggling both as a team and semi-individually, although we've seen them step up big the last two games with the home runs. But the true or false five-pack, let's dig in here. The first one, true or false, Jake? The Royals should redo Salvador Perez's contract, which goes on for four to six more years. It's ridiculous. Should the Royals redo that, true or false? I think true. I think they should at least look into it. You know, Perez, yeah, I understand, you know, we're – both sides of it right now, and now is not obviously the time you want to be talking about a contract. You know, you want to wait till after the season. But I think that Perez, the best catcher in the American League, maybe the best in the entire league, defensively and and pretty good offensively as well. And I think I think they should. I don't know exactly how to structure it, but at least add on a year. You know, I, I think he deserves definitely more money. Though I think we both can agree with that. Yeah, I, I think what you said is probably right. Maybe what you do is 
you add on another team option or two, maybe probably only one is what you want to get out of that. And, and let's be realistic too. I mean, if this thing goes on too long, you don't want to lock him up more than six, probably six more years where you have to pay him because you know, if Jakey gets into his early to you know early thirties, and he let's say he can't catch as much, or he's not quite elite defensively by that point, will his bat be good enough to go over to first base? Like you know, we've seen Victor Martinez be good enough to move from catcher to first because of his bat. We've seen Joe Mauer, but will Salvador Perez, with his lack of plate discipline, you know, and maybe losing some some speed and bat speed by his early thirties, will he be able to make that? So on the other hand, do you want to give him more than six years at this point? You know. Yeah, no, those are all, you know, good things to consider, especially with how many games he's caught over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, when you look ahead to the future, how long he'll be able to catch before he does, you know, move into a different role. And if his bat is actually going to be consistent enough at that time, you know. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to consider. And it's something, you know, I really, hopefully we don't hear much more about until after the season. But uh, should, I think the Royals definitely should consider moving forward. Now, our second true or false. So, staying with the Salvador Perez for one more question. So, doing so, so restructuring this deal, I mean, it's not something you see very often in baseball. You don't see holdouts. It's not the NFL or the NBA. So, it's not something you see change very often. Now, CD's Escobar is also playing in a very club friendly contract. He's down to his last couple of years. So, that obviously is not probably an issue at this point as far as renegotiating that, Jake. But you look at a guy like Yordano Ventura who potentially signed. A highway robbery contract at the Royal, you know, if he turns into the pitcher, the Royals think he will, or even let's say 60% of that pitcher, the Royals got a steal. So, uh, my next question, true or false, is that doing this, you know, changing this contract for Salvi sets a precedent with guys like Ventura where it could come back and backfire on you later. I mean, true or false on that? I mean, I think it's true because you've got a lot of young guys, you know, like Ventura who are going to be, yeah, who are, if they're successful, they're going to be looking for more money. So, yeah, I, th- I think it definitely could. I mean, when you look at you know guys like Escobar and others who are going to be wanting new contracts, yeah, I think I think you're definitely uh, definitely right there. Yeah, I mean, you've got Kane coming up soon. You've got Hosmer in a couple years. You've got Moose in a couple years, and even a guy like Alex Gordon. So it's something to think about. Obviously, the Royals between those guys and and Holland and Davis going up, the Royals are going to have to probably choose one or two of these guys to move at some point, which is too bad. But just just the you know the good thing is that the attendance is so good and the interest is so good that the Royals should be able to keep the majority of those guys I just named out of those five or six. You think at least four of them, but you know had the Royals not been drawing fans, we're talking two or three of them would only be here. So that's the good news that the Royals should be able to keep the majority of that group together but at some point probably after this year they're going to have to move Hall under Davis uh, you know and, and do kind of what we see Billy Bean do and, and even what we saw Dayton Moore do Jake I mean you look back to that Zant Grinke trade it'll go down as one of the best in the in the history of the franchise people always talk about the Shields and Davis trade which maybe put the Royals over the top but let's not forget that that trade that the Royals made with the Brewers Jake to get uh, you know Lorenzo Cain Alcides Escobar and Jake Odorizzi which got them Wade Davis I mean that's got to be one of the best trades of all time Absolutely. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. The, the big core of your team, you know, right now, you've got Escobar, Kane, both probably all-stars this year, and Wade Davis, who should be an all-star, probably one of the best relievers in baseball. So, yeah, when you look back on that trade, it, it worked out very well. And, uh, yeah, I, I would say probably one of the best trades. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, question number three, true or false five-pack. True or false, this game – will break the Royals out of their current slide and slump. This game today will propel them past this moment where we've hit the low point, we're through that now. True or false? I'm going to say true, and I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to you know, go on a roll here and you know just go on some ridiculous streak or you know, even... I, I think they're going to start scoring runs. You know, I think we're out of the area where we're going to score one run, you know, 
three out of four games, four out of five games. You know, I think I think this is the type of game when you win a game like this, you hit a home run there in the eighth inning like Perez did. That can get you a little bit of spark and maybe get you in get you in the right direction, get the offense feeling a little bit more confident going into the week. I think hitting the road will help too. And yeah, I I think that they. I'm not saying they're going to go on a streak though. They probably. They just need to at least start playing more of like a 500 ball or a few more games over 500. I think, though, that they're out of, I think, the, the long year of losing, you know, three out of four games over and over again. I think that's, I think that's coming to an end. Yeah, it, it needs to for sure, especially with this month of June shaking up. You know, with these, what well, they're home for five games and they've got two, three city road trips. You know, between that and we just talked about two of the three cities coming up, you got two of the best home teams in baseball. So it's a good time to start playing better. True or false? Number four. Christian Cologne should immediately move into the full-time starting role over Omar Infante at second base. You hear a lot of Royals fans that think that's long overdue, and you see the hashtag free Cologne. Of course, you've been hearing those hashtags for years with guys like Justin Huber and Johnny Giovatella and on and on. And the majority of them, you know, always pan out where the Royals are right, where the guy that people are clamoring for doesn't end up being maybe better, although Gio's having a pretty nice start for the Angels. But with that said, Christian Cologne, should he immediately start every day over Infante, true or false, or do you like the Royals easing him in more, or do you just stick with Omar? What are your thoughts on this whole thing? I'd say false. I do like Cologne getting he should be playing second base, at least while Infante's struggling right now, you know, really struggling at the plate. I think he should be getting in at least once or twice a week right now. Um, I think I, I don't think Cologne is obviously Cologne is not as good defensively as Omar. Omar is a very good defensive second baseman, I think, and uh, he's really struggling at the plate. And but you know I think they got to keep putting him out there, and I think you spike Cologne in maybe every three or four games, once or twice a week right now, because we we're not going to that with Cologne either until he starts getting more at bats. It's hard for a guy. When you're only playing once every two weeks, you know, really get on a roll to show, you know, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to really for us to see what he's got, what he can do with the plate and defensively both. So, I think we're going to be seeing him a little bit more, but I don't think he should immediately just become second baseman right now. I 100% agree with that assessment. I'm with you. I think that, I think that, yeah. I mean, luckily you mentioned Omar Infante being good defensively. I think both of us coming into the year had our concerns. We thought maybe he was league average because of his lack of arm because of the elbow. But Jake, his arm has been Infante's arm has never looked better in the you know the 10 years <laughs> or so I can remember watching him. He looks great out there. I mean, he really does look really good. I mean, he botched that double play the other night, which in that two to one Royals loss really hurt. But I mean, for the most part, everyone's going to botch double plays. Everyone makes errors. For the most part, Omar's been really good defensively, which I, I'm with you. Keeps him in the lineup for me of course you've also got the fact that the Royals are paying him a lot of money for two more years too which is not always the best reason to throw a guy out there but it's understandable because it proves that you've invested a lot into him A B he's one of the leaders of the Latin players and C it's a guy that it's at least established at the major league level that has done it before so you hope he can get that back at least you know a, you know, a little bit of uh, lightning in a bottle kind of like Jose Lima back on the mound you know get some of that young energy back maybe Omar can get the, you know carry this team for a while and get things going again Jake I'm with you Though that getting Christian Cologne in the lineup, uh, you know, a couple times a week would probably be a smart thing. At, at what point would you pull the plug on Infante and start Cologne every day? I mean, is that something that is Cologne just a utility guy, and you just make a trade at the deadline if this keeps up, or do you move Cologne in two or three weeks? Is there kind of a, something you have in mind? I don't. I think they do. Like we talked about, I think they need to start spiking Cologne into the lineup more so that we can kind of see what we have, and then they can maybe you know assess and adjust if Infante in three weeks is still hitting. I mean, because right now he's, 
not sure exactly what his average was at the end of the day today, but I know it's in the very lower part of the 200. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's not what you want, but I think you've got to give him a couple more weeks, see if he can get out of his slide. Maybe he can get on a roll. Because last year, I mean, while he didn't hit for average, he did drive in a lot of runs. He's a guy you liked up there in situations when you got a runner on third with less than two apps. He seemed to always get the job done. So I think they're going to, they need to ride it out a little bit more. Maybe spike clone into the lineup once or twice a week. See what you got with both of those guys. And then in three weeks, they can kind of, once we start getting, you know, maybe it's July 1st, once you're getting closer to that deadline, you can start maybe assessing and seeing maybe if there's something you want to take a look at out there. One final thought on the whole Omar Infante thing. Two other things. He is swinging and missing at much higher percentage of pitches this year than ever before in his career. And number two, Jake, he's just not walking. I mean, he's, he's, the problem is the batting yeah. average is, is – you, you, we can actually talk about the batting average because it's essentially the same thing as the on-base, which obviously is the, is the most important thing. But when they're one and the same, you may as well just talk about the average. I mean, you know, it's just – it's not good. Infante's not getting on base. He's not walking. And But the, the other thing is – I'm sure you noticed this. I thought his bat speed a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, he was in that something like 11 for 23 stretch where he was really getting around on pitches. The bat speed looked really good, but it's just, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if he's got something wrong with his eyes. It's like he swings at everything. He looks all, I mean, not to single a guy's approach out, but it's almost worse than Salvi right now up there. It is. He's he's being extremely over-anxious, and I think that happens with a lot of guys who have been good hitters in the past. Is when they're in slumps, they're getting anxious, and they're hoping, you know, hoping for that first pitch fastball, hoping they can break out of this slump. And he, he just seems to be, he's getting down in the count extremely quickly, almost every at bat, and he's swinging at everything. He can't lay off any off-speed pitches right now. And, yeah, it's just a, he's just going to have to start being patient, seeing more pitches like a lot of But him, him especially, he needs to start seeing more pitches and put together more professional at-bats. I feel like he used to walk a lot. Yeah, and we haven't seen much any any walks really from him this year. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean a lot subjectively, but I mean compared to other Royal second base. But I get your point. I get your point on that one. Well, <laughs> our final true or false five pack question for you, and I'm assuming you're probably going to say true here, but it's just something to think about. So Ned Yost, of course, Jake today. Congrats to him. He tied Dick Hauser, the late Dick Hauser, for second on the all-time Royals wins list. He'll hopefully break that tomorrow in Minnesota, needs just seven more wins to pass Baseball Hall of Famer and Royals Hall of Famer. A lot of people forget that he's in the Royals Hall of Fame, too. Whitey Herzog and Dick Hauser are both in the Royals Hall of Fame, and Ned needs seven more wins to pass them both as the all-time managerial leader in Royals history. So, I mean, true or false, I'm assuming it's true. Surefire Royals Hall of Famer, Ned Yost? I think absolutely it's going to be true. I mean, with being on that list with those two, I, I don't see how he couldn't be a Royals Hall of Famer you know, in the future, and he's Granted, he took the team to an American League championship. I think he's got another playoff team here. And, yeah, with the amount of, he's, he's – Hayden, Hayden, I think he's going to be the Royals Hall of Famer. That's that's pretty shocking to think about it when you think back to that wild card game and arguably, I mean you could argue and a lot of people will argue to this day that had the Royals not come back in that wild card game he would have been fired for his use of Ventura in that game and not going to the guys there in that sixth inning. I mean you could argue that. I mean it's it's pretty amazing to think about what that one win has done for the for the franchise and for the city, Jake. It's, the payroll, the extra ticket sales, the merchandise, the being maybe more apt to sign guys like a Chris Young or different guys to go for that. So it's interesting and Ned. Maybe saving his job, maybe getting him into the Royals Hall of Fame. It's pretty amazing when you stop back and think about all the things that had to go right 
in that game, right? You think back to all, like the pinch hit a bat by Josh Willingham and Brandon Finnegan coming out and the Royals not getting caught on any of those seven stolen bases. I mean, just go back and it's the, the A's catcher getting out with a foul tip to start the game, so they had to bring in the backup. I mean, you go through all this stuff, it's pretty amazing to think back to, isn't it? It is. It, it was an incredible game. And it's incredible because, yeah, there was going to be talk if the Royals lose that game that Ned should be fired after it. And Instead, the Royals come back and win that game, and then he does an excellent job managing the rest of the postseason. So um, yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible how one game can just completely change you from possibly getting fired than to being a Royals Hall of Famer, but, <laughs> but it has. That's pretty, it is pretty remarkable. Last thing we'll mention here before we let you go on this edition, Jake, is that uh, we'll, we'll just throw in a bonus true or false five-pack. We'll, we'll go with six-pack. The Royals have the 21st pick in tomorrow's MLB draft, so that's actually the lowest the Royals have picked in for, I forget the year, I want to say 86, I must be, I'm assuming, since the last time. It's been forever. I don't know, I don't know the exact year, but they pick 21st tomorrow, and then they have the 33rd pick there between the rounds, the compensation for losing James Shields to the Padres. Jake, true or false, the Royals will draft an all-star tomorrow. <laughs> a future all-star. <laughs> I certainly hope it's true. Yeah, just go true. Yeah, we have to go true in that one. If you if you say false, you're fired from the show. <laughs> say true. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who the Royals take. A lot of guys, you know, in the, in the region, super regionals right now, and a lot of guys that are, you know, I think mm-hmm. top top, I think ten of the top thirty or something like that are currently still playing on that draft board, most people's draft board. So a decent chance the Royals get somebody similar to a Finnegan. I mean, obviously we have no idea what they're going to take. I mean. In a perfect world, Jake, what would you take if it was there? Are you, are you, look, are you looking for a – do you prefer the college or high school players? Because Dayton seems to be more in the you know college with pitchers, and it's been working out pretty good with guys like Finnegan in recent years and going back to Aaron Crow I, and I so on. I seem to like the – yeah, I seem to like the, the co- looking at college pitchers. I'm looking at a college uh, the college starter, you know, I think – Zimmer and those guys. I, and, yeah, I think it's working out well for us. and I, it, I just like the idea that they can get to the major leagues a little bit faster. With a, with a high school guy, sometimes you don't know exactly what you've got there, and you're not going to know for a few years. But I seem to I like what Dayton Moore is doing, and I think he probably will go that route again this year. And I don't know that there's going to be an impact guy there that late for for highly highly right. doubtful for this year. That's like a once every 15 year. I think Jeff Austin or Jeff Granger, I think it was. I think it was Granger was the last one to make his Royals debut in the same year he was drafted at a Texas A&M. That's been eons ago. And you know, but Jake, in a perfect world, I'd love to see the the one glaring weakness I see in the Royals minor league system right now is outfielders mainly. I don't see a lot of high upside outfielders down there so in a perfect world it'd be nice to get a, a college bat that could profile as a corner outfielder but obviously i doubt that that pick is going to be there so we'll see what happens it should be interesting i guess the best thing with baseball is never to, to draft on need it's a base you know draft on best available because it's such a crapshoot but mm-hmm. we'll be interested to see what the royals do in this draft but i hope you're right jake on that true there with the with the future all-star well we'll, we'll be back again next week and, and talk more it's fun having you on as always jake and thanks for talking ball with us and hopefully we can what's your final prediction for this road trip four and four five and three three and five oh and eight eight no <laughs> <laughs> i i would really like to see a five and three that yeah would, that would be excellent um because you there's a lot of different in one of those series losing one of them and then taking both from the brewers or however you want to look at it um or taking two out of three and splitting with the Brewers, so I think five and three would be would be a very good road trip. I, I could live with four and four, but I, I'm going to go with five and three. I'm, I'm going to match you on that, and we will talk to you again throughout this week on Clubhouse Conversation. Jake, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll talk to you soon. Well, dude, sounds good. Thanks, Abel.